Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. So we haven't been terribly consistent lately, and I apologize for that. It has been kind of a crazy start to the summer, and the last few months uh, have been somewhat hectic. Such is life, that's the way things go, but right now we're in the process of scheduling interviews and we're hoping to be back in full stride in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I will be on vacation next week, but um, that's okay. Uh, We have interviews that we have scheduled and we're going to hopefully bring you the best hobby content uh, we can possibly bring. Today we're excited because we have a fantastic interview with Gavin Garza. He recently won the Slayer Sword at Adepticon 2022, which is pretty damn impressive. Um, Really enjoyed having a conversation with him about uh, how he approaches the hobby and uh, how he got into it. And there's a lot to learn from it. He is a very enthusiastic painter uh, and it was really a lot of fun. So without further ado, Gavin Garza. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm you know, happy to be here. You know, I, I have to admit, um, I actually had seen a little bit of your work beforehand uh, through, Insta, you know, coming through like Instagram feeds and stuff along those lines. But um, so sometimes when you posted, you come up as a recommended person to follow. Uh, so I'm really excited to talk to you because um, I've always, I've actually what people said about your style after the Slayer sword is exactly what I thought when I first saw it. I'm like, damn, damn, that is one of the cleanest painters I have ever seen in my life. That is amazing. Uh, pisses me off a little bit too, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but Gavin, uh, first congratulations on the Slayer sword. That is, uh, that is an amazing accomplishment. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You know, the one thing I'll ask before we kind of get into hobby origin story or not was how surprised were you that it was the skink that won it? Like, did that blow you away or, um, yeah, like kind of what was your reaction? Oh, it was completely unexpected. I, I cannot believe it won. Even today, I can't believe it won. Um, it was, I, I remember going into Adepticon. It was, um, kind of a, I, I never originally intended to go, if I'm honest. I kind of got peer pressured into it by a group of friends. Um, they're like, why aren't you going to a Depicon? Why aren't you going to Golden Demon? I'm like, yeah, I guess you have a point. So it's like, you know, I, I, I painted something up. And if I was going to paint up something, I wanted to paint up something that I liked. So I chose the skink. And um, yeah, I, I, I was hoping for maybe bronze. <laughs> I thought if I won a bronze, I would be ecstatic. Um and then, you know, they called my name for gold, and I was thrilled. I, was, I couldn't believe that. And then they announced the Slayer Sword winner, and, you know, my model popped up there, and I was, I was, in, I was stunned. I could not believe it. Shocking. I'm so impressed by, like, different styles, different techniques. And so when I see somebody that can paint that cleanly and that, I don't know. I mean, it is, it is like a, if you were going to hold something up and say, this is perfectly painted, the, your mini comes is the first that comes to mind now. So it's uh, very well-deserved, very well-deserved. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. So, you know what, let's give our listeners a little bit of background. Like, how did you get into the hobby? So, um, 
I have only I've been painting since um, probably around 2017 or so. So it technically goes back a little bit further than that. So I think I had picked up a um, I, I had always heard about 40k and I was always interested in like the universe. So I picked up, I believe it was um, Dark Vengeance, and I think it was the sixth edition starter box uh, for Warhammer 40k. And I remember taking out, I think, the librarian model in that, in that box for the Dark, Dark Angels, and I assembled them, and I tried to paint him up. Um, and it was going so badly that I gave up, and I basically rage quit for like five years. Um, <laughs> so um, eventually, um, <laughs> I, I shelved that box didn't touch it for a long time and come around 2017 or so i was looking for something new to get into i, I kind of wanted to get into something a bit more artistic a bit more uh arts and craftsy um so i went digging through my collection i'm like you know i'm gonna try this whole uh painting miniatures things uh, thing again um so i got that box out and i started looking up uh, some youtube tutorials um, and I actually came across the, um, it, it was the old Duncan Rhodes videos and he had actually done a whole series on the dark vengeance box. Um, so I looked up how he painted everything in that box. And of course, you know, it's basically just base coat, wash, dry brush for, for most of it. Right. right. Um, bonus edge highlight for characters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's pretty basic stuff when you look back at it, but you know, for me, um, that kind of technique it made it so so much more approachable like it felt like oh i can actually do this um the, seeing the way that he painted it you know the fact that you actually have to thin your paints and you know basic stuff like that um it, it suddenly became relate something it became something i could actually achieve um so i started practicing like that just your simple base coat wash and you know highlight stuff and as i continued doing that um i decided you know I, I feel like i can go further but i don't know how to go further and so i started looking at more and more youtube stuff and i started finding um other painters on youtube that had more detailed explanation you had painters that would talk about volumetric highlighting like where to place highlights um, and then from there, I would expand that further into looking how, like, at how 2D artists um, highlight volumes and stuff and try to apply that to miniatures. Um, and it was just more and more of that, uh, basically expanding upon that. Uh, and that was basically how I kind of got the jump start into it. Um, that, that's really, yeah, I, I would say that's how it began. And then it was just kind of expanding on it from there and a lot of practice after that. What would you say was kind of like the the biggest challenge you faced as you were going through, like trying to increase your skills? Um, so sorry, continue. No, no, no I was going to say it could be a skill, it could a technique, it could be, you know, anything. It, w it doesn't have to be a necessarily a specific thing. But anyways, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> it, it was probably. Um, it, it's might sound a little bit silly, but it's just the basics, honestly. Like just um getting a smooth base coat like it, it, it's it's it sounds so trivial um but just getting a base coat that is perfectly smooth um 
was troublesome at first. Uh, making sure that, you know, all of your, um, after that, making sure that you have smooth blends, right? Mm -hmm. So making sure that you have one color that perfectly blends into another color was another hurdle to jump over. And it's just like the stuff that we kind of take for granted once you have a certain amount of experience. But when you're a beginner, this stuff is so foreign to you and trying to learn all this with no prior experience. And it's just, um, it, it really is difficult. Like it, it's easy to see why a lot of people kind of don't get past that because mm -hmm. it does take a lot of hard work to get past that. Um, it takes a lot of perseverance. So um, it, when you see people that are able to perform at such a high level and they, you know, can finally get past that kind of hurdle, it's, I, I think, I, I can really look up to that, but yeah, I, I would definitely say just mastering the fundamentals was the hardest part for me. That the smooth base coats, no joke. I mean that there, and especially like when you when you're starting to try to elevate your skin tones, getting a smooth base coat with skin tone paint is like, <laughs> like I don't know, it's a, it's a pain in the ass, <laughs> you know. So um, that that you remind me of the one thing that I, I remember uh, Tex Winter, who was the defensive coordinator for the Bulls when they had their you know sixth championship run. The number one thing he said was fundamentals win championships. I mean, I, I getting the fundamentals down in anything to me is like so critical. So that's nice to hear from you that, you know, that was where um, I, I think a lot of people struggle with those type of things. And especially when you talk about paints that get chalky and things along those lines, you know, it's a common that, 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 that struggle is definitely real. Um, so um, I did, uh, a little bit of snooping through your Instagram prior to this. And I noticed something that you have a lot of blood ravens. Um, why, why did you choose this chapter? And for those who don't uh, know blood ravens are space range chapters, a chapter and they're red with cream shoulder pads and a lot of black accents. Uh, and so what drew you to the blood ravens? So um, when I first heard about 40k, um, it was actually through the, the the original Dawn of War video games, right? I knew it. I knew no. it. I was betting money on that. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so um, to me, they were such like a. Um, I, I had never really heard of 40k before then, so like that really was my introduction to the whole kind of franchise. Um, so yeah, I. I, I for me, Blood Ravens were the Space Marine faction. When I eventually kind of started diving into the miniature side of 40k, and I saw that all the miniatures, all the Space Marines were painted blue, and that Ultramarines were actually kind of the, the poster boys, I was like, why aren't the Blood Ravens? Right. <laughs> I thought it was weird. Because uh, for the longest time, I thought they were the main characters. Um, right. It kind of blew my mind that they are barely even acknowledged. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that really was those old Dawn of War video games. I, I, I fell in love with them. And I just I wanted an army full of those guys. Nice. nice. How many Blood Ravens do you have? Oh, I don't know the exact number, but probably close to around... 3,000 points worth of stuff. There's stuff that I've painted that I've never posted as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I probably have around 3,000 points worth of Blood Ravens. That is a healthy amount. That is a healthy <laughs> amount. That, that, that is definitely... Now, do you uh, game still? Oh, I do, yeah. I also okay. use those for gaming. I've got a, a small gaming group. We'll get together every once in a while, uh, smash out some games, maybe like once a month or so. Uh, yeah. 
Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's where, that's where I got lost is that I could never find gaming groups. And then, uh, I kind of fell in love with painting. So I haven't, I haven't, I've only think I've played three games of 40 K and three games of age of Sigmar. And I started back in rogue trader and then took a 25 year break. I want to say, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's awesome that you still get to play. That's a lot. I, I, I think I'm going to try uh, kill team this year. Um, but, We'll, we'll oh, Kill Team looks like so much fun. I, I have a friend who plays Kill Team, and the rules for that, he says he loves the new rules. And so I really want to dive into that. How do you approach a project? Kind of what, first of all, what inspires you? Yeah, it, it really is the um, the initial sculpt that inspires me. Mm-hmm. Um, as Once I see something with that, that really striking sculpt or really striking pose or like any sort of model that exudes like personality, I just and I know I want to paint it to a high level, I'll take that model and I know that that's just what I want to focus on. So it really just comes down to that initial sculpt. And if something just, I, I think the um, the paint job as well, like if you mm-hmm. ever see like the box art paint job, a lot of right. times that I'll find that very inspirational as well. But I, at the end of the day, it's the sculpt. If the sculpt is something that really appeals to me, that's mm-hmm. what inspires me to want to paint that. Nice. Do you sometimes build a story in your head behind the model you're painting? Uh, I, I do, yes. Um, there's always uh, some kind of story. Um, a lot of times it comes down to like uh, what kind of faction they are. Uh, sometimes it'll be like what kind of world they, they live in, um, what kind of environment they're in. I've done more like kind of environmental painting as well, like um, where like I'll imagine like a setting that they're in. And then like I'll paint according to that with like all sorts of like, you know, different lighting effects and stuff. But a, a lot of times like the, the story comes down to... Um, basically who they are uh what environment they're in um and really like it, it the, the initial pose like i had mentioned earlier plays a large part in it it's like what are they doing like mm-hmm. what world do they have it what are they doing in that world and then i just kind of want to paint it based on that yeah it's so much more interesting when there's some motion or something in the, you know like it's so much more uh i gravitate more towards models with motion too so i totally i totally get get what you're saying about that now um and are there artists out there and they can be in the mini world and the non-mini world that in that influence your work or inspire you too um there's quite a yeah there's a ton um too many to name of really or too many to name really but um I, I think one of the biggest ones for me is um one of the bigger ones for me is probably david sober um oh I yes i love sober stuff um I, I've kind of like I've gone to his website. I've looked at the photos. I've blown them up on a computer to see how he applies paint, mm-hmm. um, and I really just love his stuff. Um, I, I've definitely tried. I feel like I've tried to kind of um, duplicate the way that he um, does a lot of his blending. Uh, he, he seems to use like a lot of like micro stippling and like basically going pixel, almost like pixel by pixel in the way that he paints. And I, right. I feel like I've, I've really tried to kind of latch onto that idea and apply it to a lot of the stuff I do. Um, another one as well is um, uh, Max Filet. Um <laughs> He currently works for Games Workshop, but the stuff he does is absolutely incredible. And even knowing like the, the fact that he's like, you know, when he paints a lot of the stuff for the, the box art for that company, knowing that he's like on a time limit when he paints all that is makes it even more incredible to me. Um, 
it's just amazing the, the stuff that he can do uh it's another one of those things that kind of pisses people off too you're like damn it you had <laughs> you how you had to paint that in how long and i'm still 60 hours into this <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah it, 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 the one that he painted recently that i'm i'm pretty sure he painted this is that he um i think worked on the 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 newest Skaven model, the Deathmaster, I believe it's called. Um, he's basically the guy with like kind of the mm-hmm. circular bl- blade, and he's holding a knife in his right hand, and he's kind of like crouched over, kind of right. like you were. Um, and he's painted it like all in non-metallics. It, it just looks incredible. Um, that is a model that, uh, you know, kind of referencing back to a previous question, a model like that inspires me to want to paint it, and. The paint job is a big part of that as well. It's like I look at that paint job, I look at that sculpt, um, and I just want to paint it. It's like it's so well done that I want. I feel like I want to do my version of that. Ah, see that that is such an important thing for people to hear because a lot of times people see box art and get, get chased away, and so the fact that seeing the box art help inspires you that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That is really, it's really important uh, that to be inspired and not overwhelmed, right? Uh, we definitely approve of David Soper here on this podcast. He was, he was an early guest of ours. I love that dude. He's, uh, I've learned so much from Sprocket's small world. It's ridiculous. Um, I but, love it. Uh, now, so we've talked a lot about GW stuff. Um, I saw that you also painted the Reconnect bust, and I can't remember now off the top of my head what company that's from. Uh, I believe it's, um, oh man, I'm going to get it wrong. It's either Robot Rocket or Neko Galaxy. I want to say Robot Rocket. Okay. And that's, those those would have been my two guests given the nature of the models that they produce. Um, and beautiful, it's beautiful work, by the way. I love the blue hair a lot. That's actually a, I don't know why blue hair on on cyborg model or sci-fi female models is just an awesome thing to me have you ever done any other busts or ventured into the world of 75 millimeter figures i haven't I, i've been wanting to but i have not yet um I, I haven't been able to get back into that recently um but it's definitely something i really want to get back into it's a there, there's something it's a very different style of painting um uh, versus 28 millimeter stuff right um yeah i but i would definitely love to get back into it um yeah there's a lot of blank canvas on it, right? You can do, you can go crazy with textures and freehand and, uh, you know, light, light placements, et cetera. So, yeah. And it, I, that's kind of where I've kind of moved. I still have a bunch of DW stuff, but um, I find myself picking up bigger models, probably because my eyes are getting old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so also with that, I'm going to throw in this to, to the listeners as well really quickly. Um, if you look at his Instagram, which we'll have links for, he also has done some wonderful tutorials. I actually got a chance to look through the uh, the color guides and how to do eyes. Um, those are awesome, and thank you for posting those. Uh, that those were a lot of work, and uh, people like me read them and appreciate them. Yeah, no problem. Um, it, referring back to the color guide in that bust as well, um, I. I I, I, just because I kind of want to talk about it a little bit more. Um, Please do, absolutely. <laughs> um, so the the colors used on that bust, um, I, I I was having so much fun experimenting with it because um, I actually I only used I think six paints across the entire model, 
And um, it, it was kind of an exercise in just kind of using a limited color palette to a certain extent. Uh, and obviously, I, I wasn't just using primaries, um, but it was just it was an interesting experiment for me, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just something that I was really proud of. Yeah, you should you should be. It's absolutely beautiful. And let me ask you this: Were there was there anything that you learned um, from from forcing yourself to be in a limited color palette? Um, it's something that I, I think. Um, I think the number one thing it taught me is that you really don't need. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of hues you use. If I'm honest, it comes down to color values, right? So as long as the color values for whatever you're working on are correct. The hues really don't matter all that much. I mean, she's got pink, like purple and pink skin and like blue hair. Um, but it doesn't really matter, if I'm honest, because it still kind of looks right because everything is because you're using the same colors throughout the model. Everything still kind of feels like it's cohesive. Um, you don't really it, it doesn't immediately strike you as the wrong colors and, or, or wrong initially, I guess I should say, um, because all the color values are, are for the most part, correct. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like it's perfect or anything, but yeah, that, that was probably the number one thing I learned is just like how important color values are when painting anything. Um, I also learned a lot with the non-metallic metal and I think I had a lot of fun with that as well. It was just a really fun piece to work on. Painting definitely seems joyful to you. Uh, and that's fantastic. And we need more, more of that, you know what I mean? In, in the painting world, uh, just in, enjoying painting and learning lessons and having fun. So kudos, man. That's really, I, it's so cool to, to hear somebody with such a positive attitude. Yeah. I, I definitely have a lot of fun with it. Um, so then you've never, have, never thrown besides that first wave of shoving the thing in the box, never thrown a, a model across the room then? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not, not really. <laughs> so, yeah, we had an artist on who told me he threw one out the window. Um, so I was like, I can relate, but I wouldn't have done it, but I can relate. <laughs> uh, I think the closest I've come is stripping something. Uh, just, you know, get really upset with something. Even if you're hours and hours into it, and just like, no, it's time to start over. <laughs> Everybody's visited Simple Green Lake, you know. Or, exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things I love to do now uh, with with artists is uh, to to ma make you reflect a little bit, and it's like, um, can you kind of critique your work, and where do you, where do you think that you want to improve uh, areas that you think you can improve? Oh, the, too many to count. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think the, um, you know, I, I look at people on Instagram and I look at the way a lot of people paint and there's a certain style that I, I think um, I could definitely kind of lean into a bit more. It's more of a kind of like illustrative style. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see people like, uh, I, I hope I don't butcher his name, uh, like Alonzo Torrent um, on mm -hmm. Instagram. And he has a very illustrative style where like his stuff looks like it's almost like a 2d drawing. Um, but it's a model. Um, he's not the only one as well. You know, there's people like, um, Arno, I, I think his name is, um, uh, La Lazo. Oh my God. I'm going to butcher all of these names. <laughs> That's okay. I do too. So yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like they have like this very illustrative quality to all the stuff that they paint and, um, Arno's stuff, for example, is also like very bright. Like you look at it, it's just extremely bright. Um, 
like the way he paints skin tones and all that stuff like it, it just um there's a certain way that he paints all that that i would love to learn how to paint um but yeah there, there's the, like i feel like um i i i like this the style that i currently feel like i have um but i would definitely love to expand upon it especially for larger scale stuff and go into like that more kind of illustrative style uh i feel like there's a lot of lessons to be learned there um i i yeah i i almost feel like um when it comes to like the technical stuff like blending um painting straight lines you know that sort of stuff like that i feel like that stuff like is at a, at a high enough level at this point where like i need to start looking at more the more artistic side of stuff um and i've done that in the past but i i definitely need to lean more into that well that's fantastic yeah have you ever seen the dude who does the um the gundam and he paints them and they look like they're uh, it looks like a 2 a 2d painting and then he turns them to the side and it's a model i i've seen these images before i have no idea who paints them but i've seen yeah, them there's, before there's a guy named k12 that does it and that's the, that's one i can think of up top of my head but i'm like that's ridiculous you know like that's just absurd <laughs> i love it <laughs> you know but it, 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 so when you say illustrated if you're um you're more like talking maybe like 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 the flame on miniature guy uh it to a certain extent yeah but um so like when i when i when i say like illustrative style um it's more so um the way that they place highlights on these models it's not in the traditional kind of um uh like zenithal highlight kind of thing mm -hmm. or like even like having like two points of light coming from something from like you know if you look at like darren Lathan's stuff or whatever he's got like the four points of light right right so, mm -hmm. so it's almost like everything's like sitting on a stage and it's being lit from four directions um you know i love that style and i feel like i paint that style quite a bit um <laughs> but this illustrative style it's it almost imagines something as living in an environment where there's light coming from a direction it's bouncing around the environment and it's creating a whole bunch of um interesting lighting effect uh lighting effects or like it's creating bounce lighting that's coming from the ground um all sorts of stuff right um mm -hmm. and, and you'll see there's certain techniques that they borrow from like 2d art so they have uh, certain techniques like edge lighting where like only like the kind of like it's it's hard to explain in, in a audio format but understood if, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is the challenge yeah. of the podcast That's why we, don't, <laughs> we don't do anything about techniques really because you can't really yeah you know um but yeah i i, I so let me maybe i can ask it this way um because i some of it i have to associate it with art artists and so you're talking more of like an eric swinson the guy who did the mephiston model yeah okay yeah, exactly because yeah. I, I i would consider him an illustrative style of painter um, yeah you can almost like take it you know take a 2d like take a picture of it and like put it in a book or frame it or whatever and it would look like someone drew it right so so anything like that and yeah eric, eric swinson's another one like he's you know does incredible stuff um yeah i i absolutely adore that style i definitely need to learn more from it um yeah yeah, if you ever get a chance to take a class with Eric, it's a blast. I I, I was lucky enough to do a two day workshop with him not too long ago, and it was eye opening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he seems like a really cool dude as well. Um, yes, I, yeah, I definitely love that opportunity. Uh, yeah, and he um, he doesn't he he claims he doesn't do any blending, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know if that's true. I don't, I don't know what his definition of blending is, but uh, right, we'll, that, uh, we'll see about that. 
Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so is that similar? Like well, the next question I was going to ask, if you want to talk where you see yourself over the next few years, is that something that you want that is that kind of the direction you want to go uh, kind of leaning into the illustrative side or are there other areas that you're you're interested in? Um, in the next few years, yeah, I think um, I think that's a side that I would definitely love to explore some more. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, though, I, I feel like um, I, I actually really like it's almost like an heavy metal style in, in a way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would I, I still really like that style, if I'm honest. Like they're two True. very distinct styles and I love them both. Um, <laughs> it, it's not like I want to completely stop doing this kind of like um, like the skink or, um, you know, I've worked on stuff before, like Space Marines and stuff where like I'll paint it in a very heavy metal type of style. Um but I, I would love to explore that, and I feel like there are uh, ways that you kind of incorporate the two, I'm honest. Um, I, I think there's ways that you can change up that kind of heavy metal style and incorporate those illustrative styles to that. And there's there's a ways that you can evolve that style into something new. Um, and I think if you look at people like uh, Max that I had mentioned earlier, I think he's done a lot of that as well. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting because if you look at the heavy metal style today, it is vastly different from what it was even like 10 years ago. It is completely True. different. Um, and I think a large part of that is the way that they are kind of evolving it over there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 yeah. So I, I think, um, yeah, in the next few years, um, I would definitely love to learn that kind of learn more from that illustrative style. Um, but I think there's ways that you kind of, you know, blend those two kind of techniques and create something new. That would be awesome. And then we'd have the Gavin Garza style. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that one, but we'll see. <laughs> well, no, it's just whatever you make your own, you know what I mean? And if you, if you were to take one, uh, I actually have a white dwarf from 1990. Um, and that was like, and I look it back and I'm like, okay, if you would have taken me from then who is getting into it and wanting to learn how to paint and actually really love, love in the painting part of it and toss me into the world of the day, I would probably have a heart attack because of all that wasn't there. You know, like the, the heavy metal style was still better than I could paint back in those days. Um, but it's so drastically different, like decade by decade. You're right. I mean, it's, it's like looking at some of the new, uh, especially character pieces. I've noticed a lot with Games Workshop that mm-hmm. they're really they're going to town. They're letting their artists go to town on the on the characters. Exactly. Um, you know, which is it's nice to see. I I I, I enjoy it um, a lot. I love you know even though I don't paint a ton of their stuff anymore, I still constantly i'm watching what comes out because event you know if a badass stormcast character comes out i'm gonna have to have it um i've got a stormcast problem (laughs) (laughs) um so one of the fun things we like to do with the podcast is we do a lightning round and so um and it's just basically i'll ask a question um you'll give me the off the top of your head answer uh and we just kind of plow through them pretty quickly and have you know it doesn't there, there are no rules, basically. <laughs> but the first one, I, I'll, I'll start with the softball, which is the one I kind of gave you an example of. Are you a brush licker? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You squeeze a little bit of lemon in the in the paint water, you're fine. Um, right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, how often do you paint? Uh, probably every day. 
Um, I, even if it's not, even if it's only for like 30 minutes to an hour or whatever, I, I try to get in practice every day. Do you have a designated painting area? Yes. Um, I, I have a painting desk and my, sometimes on occasion I'll paint in front of my computer, but those are two different areas, but uh, I do have a designated painting desk. Fantastic. I, I'm a nomad. So, um, I paint all over the house cause my basement is ice cool. Um, <laughs> water or medium? Uh, both. I think they both have their, their, uh, uses. Um, I think I mostly use water, but there are definitely times where I will use uh medium, especially if I'm finding that paints have a kind of an uneven finish, I will definitely be mixing medium into my paints. Uh, so I think they both have their place. Nice. Good answer. True metallic metal or non-metallic metal? Uh, both. <laughs> I like them oh, both. Oh, no, no. This one, you got to pick one. This one I got, you gotta, oh, I got to pick, pick one? Okay, you okay, You got to pick one on this one. Uh, why do you do this to me? Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think I'm going to go with True Metallic Metal. I, I'll give you a reason. And that's because I just really... I think True Metallic Metal in... I, I think it does something kind of special that non-metallic metal doesn't uh, in a certain way. And I, I, I think true metallic metal kind of it reflects light in a 3d space in a way that non-metallic metal never can and while this isn't always um obviously you can um you can paint like light and like i was referring to earlier with like the kind of illustrative style you can you can paint in high um reflections and stuff into non-metallic metal and have it look great right? right but at the end of the day when you look at it in real life it just it doesn't reflect light in the same way that true metallic metal does and there's something about true metallic metal when you look at it in real life and the way that light shines off of it that it just really catches your eye mm -hmm. um and i just i genuinely enjoy how true metallics look um i really do fantastic um, yeah. yeah, you'll get no judgment here. Like, well, we're on both sides of the coin. Dan is true metallic and I do non-metallic. Well, I try non-metallic. Only my, my only reason I don't do true metallic is because I am just cursed with metal paints. I just metal paints <laughs> and I don't get along very well. So, yeah. um, But uh, that, that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear, you know, we probably get about 75% and do non-metallic metals. But, you know, then we have like you and now uh, Vince Centralella. Rome, Roman Lapot doesn't paint non-metallic metals very often. He's more into true metallic. So you're, you're in very good company. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, the gods of the brush descend and say, you may only paint with one paintbrush for the rest of your life. What paintbrush is it? What size? Uh, I'm going to go with a winter Newton size one. Okay. I assume series seven, not many series right? seven. Yeah. Not miniature, normal size one. <laughs> Why? What's, what's with the Windsor Newton you? You're talking to a Raphael guy, so. <laughs> so, I, this is coming from someone who has used, like, a lot of brushes. Um, I, I think um, it, it's kind of a close race between Rosemary and Windsor and Newton for me. And the only reason I would choose Windsor and Newton is because Rosemary kind of feels like a bit of a compromise for me. I usually buy it because of the price. Um, <laughs> but but um, it, it's it's like you're basically getting, like, 90% of the quality of Windsor and Newton for like a fraction of the price. And that's typically well, why I get that. But um, if I had to choose one brush, it would definitely be Windsor and Newton. Um, and I choose the size one because uh, I just, it's kind of the perfect size for me. It, it's mm -hmm. like you can, it still has a really good tip on it. I can still do super fine details. I painted that whole skink using a size one. Um, that's so, impressive. Very yeah. well done. Um, 
So, so just to give you a, a, a frame of reference there, but um, yeah, I, I just I feel like you can get amazing detail with it. Uh, you can you can do base coats with it. You can do everything with it, right? Um, so Absolutely. it's just kind of perfect. Nice, I like that. That's excellent. I you know, Rosemary and Company are kind of my workhorse brushes, and then when I get into the fancier, when I different. When I'm doing the finishing touches, it typically is the Raphael's for me. So, but you know, honestly, if, if people put a new brush in front of me, I'd try it in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm a brush slut. All right. So the last one is, um, do you take care of your brushes? Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know everyone says to take care of your brushes and wash them and stuff, but I don't think I've washed a brush in like two years. <laughs> hey, you know what though? I, I, I have had people on here who have done YouTube videos about brush care and I ask them that question and they answer the same way. So you're, 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 you're not alone. <laughs> uh, I am anally retentive when it comes to that stuff, but I don't know, but I, I seem to be uh, the exception rather than the rule. But uh, well, th thank you for being a part of the lightning round. That, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So you've won a Slayer Sword and obviously a Golden Demon. Or is there another prize that's on your that you have your eyes on at all? Like, do you see yourself going to like the Nova Open in the Capital Palette or ReaperCon, etc.? Uh, I wouldn't mind another Slayer Sword. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, I haven't. I haven't really thought about it. If I'm honest, um. I definitely wanted to go back to um, Adepticon um, mm -hmm. or Golden Demon again in the future. Um, right. Nova, uh, I, maybe Nova. I don't know. Um, I, 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 I'm don't. I feel like Chicago is my big trip <laughs> for mm -hmm. the year, so uh, I'll probably just do Adepticon again next year. Um, right. But yeah, um, I'm not normally a big contest guy, if I'm honest. Um, I, I usually just like painting for myself. I feel like mm -hmm. this is kind of the exception because. Uh, Golden Demon is the first Golden Demon, in who knows how long in the U.S. Right? So right, right, and, and you and you walked away, with, you walked away with the home run. So you know, <laughs> hey, honestly, yeah, I, mean, I I think I would have retired. I've been like, I'm done. Go out on George right? Go out on a high note. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you could also theoretically. I mean, I don't think denton is too far you could do ReaperCon. that's not too far from you right oh that's Couple. true yeah I, I always forget about ReaperCon. Uh. yeah i you know i've done the nova for about five or six years and then there was no nova last year and ReaperCon happened so i went and uh i was astonished at how much fun i had like it was even though it is more of a dungeons and dragon and game thing but there's still of course miniatures um the weirdest thing was when i walked into their main ballroom area which is probably like 40 tables 38 of them had people painting at them oh wow. sitting sit there painting and i'm like all right this is my kind of place you know <laughs> <laughs> you know and then they have a really cool thing where they have an artist alley so where people that are teaching classes sit kind of between their classes and they paint and talk to people. And so you can pick brains. Uh, they a lot pick their brains about stuff and they even will give you feedback on your, your models and stuff like that. So it was, it was just such a cool experience. It was such a different, so different than a gaming convention. You know, it was very laid yeah. back. And so, which was probably more my, my speed. Cause 
so I'm, I made a mistake of wandering into a 40k hall at Nova Open one time, and I guess they were like in the quarterfinals or something like that. And man, that was freaking tense. <laughs> <laughs> that tournament scene is too intense for me. I, I, I don't know if I can survive that. <laughs> right. right. It just zaps the joy out of everything. Um, so is there a model out there? And it doesn't have to be any genre or anything, but whatever. If there's something out there that you would hope that would get made, or maybe it's made STL, but the, the example I always give is um, I would love to see the characters from Stephen King's Dark Tower series become models. Um, is there anything like that out there for you? Oh, man. I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, I, I, I like playing... Um, man, I'm a big uh, classic shooter fan. I would mm-hmm. love like a good... And I'm sure that there's probably 3D models for this, but... Uh, just like some of those like classic like um, sculpts for the the old like demons and the old Doom games, like the old Pinky demons and the old uh, Kaka demons and stuff like that. Um, just like the classic stuff. Like I, I don't know. I, there's just something really fun about that stuff. And if you look back at like how they used to make those old games, like they actually made those things like with clay. Right. Um. So they actually actual 3D models for that stuff do, do exist. Um, so I don't know, a part of me would really love to see like that stuff kind of, you know, realized in, in like a miniature form. Um, yeah. With, with like high quality miniatures. Right. You know, it's one of those things where you just got to Google the STL these days. Yeah. You know what I mean, I, I, one of the original ones I used to tell people was so the Silverhawks, which was, uh, I, I don't know how old you are, but it's an eighties TV show. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. It was on the, on at the same time, the Thundercats were on, um, and uh, I was like, I would love to see those as models. And then I got an email from a listener going, yeah, they're out there. Go check out the STLs. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, which were purchased within five minutes of getting that email. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? There's a question. Have you got into 3D printing at all? I have not. I've never even tried it out. Um I, I think it's mostly just because I don't have the room for a 3D printer. I'm just kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. Even, I don't even know where I'd put it, if I'm honest. Um, but it seems interesting. There's a lot of cool stuff. I know people who have uh, who, who have uh, bought and used it before, and they've even, like, sculpted their own stuff. Um, like, people who are really good at 3D modeling, they'll scope the, their own stuff and print it out. It's uh, It seems like a really cool thing to do. But, yeah, I just haven't had the opportunity. Right. And I'm always looking for basing bits and things along those lines. And I'm like, damn it, if only I had a cactus, you know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that, that, I, I don't have a 3D printer myself, but I have a neighbor who does. So I'm like, I'm buying STLs, you're printing them. Uh, <laughs> my co-host has a 3D printer, but getting him to print is a nightmare. Uh, which is, <laughs> Sorry, it's a running joke on the podcast about Dan's, la- Dan's lack of 3D printing with his two 3D printers. Um but so the motto of our podcast is better, braver, happier painters. Um, is there some advice that you could give our listeners as they continue their journey? Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to improve, um, I think the best piece of advice I can give you is learning how to is identify your weakness, identify what you really need to work on, and then focus practicing on that. I, I think the key to improvement is not just practice obviously practice is important but focus practice like focus on your weakness and turn it into a strength and if you can do that i think anyone can reach any you can reach you know that high display quality level that uh, i think a lot of these people are, are are looking to see fantastic thank you very much 
Can you tell our listeners where to find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Gavin underscore painting underscore models. Excellent. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I did notice that you do have a paint and putty account, but it is very inactive. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm pretty bad about keeping up with that. <laughs> hey, man, you know, the, we, we had, one of the running jokes of the podcast is our original motto was we suck at painting so you don't have to. But the real truth is, is that we really suck at social media. Like that, like I, we're so bad and I, it's probably because Dan and I are, you know, Dan's over 50, I'm almost 50. And I think that, you know, that jet, we're still trying to figure those things out in our generation, you know? <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm really bad about keeping up with Instagram. Uh, mm -hmm. If anyone's listening to this and has tried to message me, uh, I am sorry if I get back to you late. <laughs> it's, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's probably because I only check Instagram a few times a week. <laughs> I feel your pain I, and I totally understand and respect that, you know, <laughs> cause I did the same exact thing. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was really a pleasure to talk to you. I, I really, honestly, I'm going to paint now because you kind of got me excited about painting. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Anytime, man. This is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm so glad uh, I came on here. Dan and I would like to thank Gavin Garza for joining us today. It was really a lot of fun to talk to him about his painting journey and his outlook. Thank you so much, Gavin, for sharing your enthusiasm for the hobby and for painting. And again, congratulations on the Slayer Sword. That is a, a huge win. You can follow Gavin on Instagram at Gavin underscore painting underscore models. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. And again, uh, what a fun time we had having that conversation. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dry Listening, although I'm still debating about whether we're going to keep that going or not. We would love to hear from you. Uh, drop us a line at Listening to Paint Dry at gmail.com. If I have not responded to an email of yours uh, that you've sent, please know I apologize and I will be getting through all of our social media stuff. Remember, we always joke about our original motto was we suck at painting so you don't have to, but it also should be we suck at social media. Um, and so apologies, trying to get better. I'm actually also in the process of developing our website. So there's kind of a lot going on with the show and uh, it's kind of hard for me to do all those things and uh, work and have a family and such. So anyways, enough of the excuses. We'd love to hear from you listening to paint dry at gmail.com. I will get back to you. Uh, whether you chat us on Instagram, Facebook, or send us an email. Um, please like, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could leave us a good review, we'd really appreciate it. It would help uh, get the podcast more notice. And if you could spread the word, we'd also thank you as well. Um, so get out there, grab that brush, have fun becoming a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.